energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village, and you know you're welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'd also like to give a warm welcome and shout out to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. If you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, you're welcome to catch up on our previous episodes, which you can find on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and The Awakened Lounge. Now, I also provide links to each episode on both Instagram and Facebook, and I'll share those links with you at the end of the show. Thanks again to all of you for joining. As a mental health advocate with lived experience, each week, I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health particularly within BIPOC communities. As an African-American woman, I'm extremely concerned about communities of color and our mental health. Now, as far as our mental health is concerned, it really does not matter who you are or where you're from because we can all be impacted. We may not all have mental illness, but we do all have mental health and we need to make sure that we are taking care of it. The purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways in which our mental health can be affected, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but from the various stressors, trauma, or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Through education and advocacy by individuals like myself who have lived experience with mental health conditions, the hope is that we will be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about our mental health can be more difficult for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, self-care, it is a very important tool, and I encourage us all to use it in our daily lives, or at least to perhaps set aside some time on the weekends. There are so many different ways, beautiful people, that we can practice self-care, especially when we view it holistically. We should consider the benefits because they do extend beyond ourselves and they have a positive impact on all those whom we encounter. 
of care. It helps us to rejuvenate our spirits and souls so that we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every week. If you've heard the show before, then you know that you know that you know that there'll also be plenty of music too. So tonight, Village, I thought that we could listen to some Neo Soul. Yeah. So I hope that you'll sit back, relax, unwind, and enjoy the show. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song this evening, Beautiful People, is a song that was from the 1999 motion picture, Life, starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. It was written and composed by R. Kelly and recorded by this artist. Now this song, award, this song was awarded Best R&B Single of the Year at the Billboard Music Awards and Best R&B Soul Single for a Male at the Soul Train Music Awards. And this king, he was also nominated for a Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Song of the Year. It was his biggest hit to date, spending eight weeks at number one on the U.S. R&B chart, and it peaked at number four on the Billboard Hot 100. Here's neo-soul artist Maxwell with his fine self with Fortunate. Ooh. Let's 
was India Ari with Video, which is one of my favorites from this queen. And it's from her debut album, Acoustic Soul. Now in 2002, Video was nominated for four Grammy Awards, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, Best R&B Vocal Performance, and Best R&B Song. Well, Village, you know me. I'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it's about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Now, Village, September has been designated as National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And something very important happened this year. You might not be aware of it, but that's why CK is here to keep you informed. The new 988 number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, it went into effect on July 16th of this year. Now, in July 2020, the FCC designated 988 as the new three-digit number for the lifeline. Now that number, just to let you know, previously was 1-800-273-8255. And now it's changed to the three-digit 988 code. Okay, just to clear that up. Now, the number, it's gonna have trained staff that will answer the calls from individuals at risk for suicide, as well as those experiencing other mental health and substance use related emergencies. Specialized services will be available for veterans, LGBTQ plus individuals and other groups. So how exactly will this work? You may be wondering. Well, one way that you are able to reach out to nine, uh, 988 is you can call. And when you call, you'll first hear a greeting message with the option to press one for the Veterans Crisis Line, two for Spanish, or you can just stay on the line 
while your call is routed to your local lifeline network crisis center, okay? Then a trained crisis counselor will answer the phone, provide support, and share resources if needed. If you text, all right, you'll complete a short survey letting the crisis counselor know a little bit about your situation. And then you'll be connected with a trained crisis counselor in a crisis center who will answer the text, provide support, and again, share resources if needed. If you wanna chat, you can visit 988lifeline.org and find the chat button in the top right-hand corner of the screen. You'll complete a short survey, letting the counselor know a little bit about your current situation. Then you'll see a wait time message, okay? So while you're connected with a trained crisis counselor, they'll answer the chat, provide support, and share necessary resources, all right? Now, calls, just to let you know, they are answered locally if there is a local call center. So when or if a local call centers, um, if they're not staffed, then all of the calls will be routed to nearby states or the National Office at Vibrant Emotional Health, which is an um, affiliate of Mental Health America, and they are the administrator of the National Suicide uh, Prevention Lifeline, okay? Now, you know, just to kind of, you know, just go off for just a little bit, you remember that there's been conversations, you know, especially like in the news when you're seeing uh, an individual who is in a, a mental health crisis uh, situation. Uh, m more times than not, we have witnessed police be the ones to be the first responders, so to speak, uh, on these uh, during these kinds of, of um, situations. And, you know, unfortunately, the outcomes have not always been good, particularly in communities of color. And so for the longest time, there was a call for there to be a difference, you know, in the response that instead of a police officer, that it be a trained mental health professional that's on the scene to de-escalate the situation so that we can have better outcomes. And so basically 988 has been developed, you know, in answer to that. And just much, you know, much like 911, we have to all recognize that there was a time when 911 didn't exist either. There was a time when you had to look, look in your phone book um, to understand what number you needed to call locally in case you had any kind of emergency. Um, so over time, 911 has been developed. It's evolved. So when you call 911 uh, so that they can, you know, specifically route your call to the appropriate place, they'll ask, is it fire? Is it police? Is it ambulance or, or paramedics? I'm not sure exactly which, which phrase they use, but it gives you a choice so that they can direct their call appropriately. It took time to build 911. It's also gonna take time to build 988, but we wanna give you guys some of this information so that you're familiar that there is something in place and that it's here to combat, you know, the negative outcomes that have been experienced in the past by communities of color and, um, you know, we're working to, you know, make things better so that we can have better outcomes for all. Police have their lane and it is to protect and serve, okay? And then, you know, mental health professionals have their lane and it is to be able to respond to an, to an individual who's in crisis. So that's what a village is all about, okay? It's about us coming together in our collective strengths and whatever the goal may be, 
you know, short term, long term. It could be in your house. It could be in your community. It could be in your state or it could be in the world. We come together. No one person can do it by themselves. But we understand, you know, how we can utilize everyone so that we can solve whatever issues we have or achieve any goals that we have in place. We'll, we'll be doing all right. That's village mentality. All right. So how can 988 improve the lives of people with mental health and substance use conditions? Well, for many people with mental health and substance use conditions, particularly people of color, just got to say that again. And also, let's think about our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQ plus community. Okay. Law enforcement response to mental health emergency. It has, you know, ended in tragedy or poor outcomes. And those outcomes include incarceration and even worse, death. So just as current calls to the lifeline are answered now, 988 will be answered by someone trained in mental health uh, crisis response, right? And, you know, obviously someone who can often resolve the situation by phone, text, or chat. Now, the new lifeline number holds the promise of an equitable healthcare response to a healthcare issue with better outcomes as people receive the services and supports they need to remain in their communities and thrive. Because that's the goal, right? Now, this promise will only be fulfilled if adequate resources are available to accommodate increased chat, call, and text volume, as well as the continuum of crisis care services that can stem from the 988 call. So crisis care services, they're more impactful when they include and are informed by individuals with diverse backgrounds, including those of us with lived experience who are trained to respond in an empowering and culturally responsive manner. Okay, so it's addressing all of these different concerns um, and, and not just in providing the care, but how they provide that care. It totally makes a difference. Okay, so for example, 988 presents an opportunity to invest in mobile crisis teams. Um, they can be deployed to respond instead of police. All right. Now, people in crisis may need an appropriate place to go for assessment. And that place isn't jail. It's not an emergency room, but often the only options for law enforcement um, are to, you know, be able to offer is to be able to offer those those two options. Right. So what the mobile crisis team does is it frees up, you know, um, you know, jails uh, for people who actually maybe commit crimes because mental health is not a crime. Okay, in and of itself, it shouldn't be treated as one. And then. Oftentimes, there may not be a physical reason that the individual needs to be in the ER. And if they're in crisis, sitting in the emergency room for hour upon hour does nothing to help them, right? So this is offering another option, all right? Um, and, and it provides the opportunity, again, to invest in resources that are more beneficial to those who are in crisis, right? So they talk about stabilization centers or crisis beds or peer respite centers, which allow individuals in need to receive mental health evaluation and resources, okay? Um, if you're curious about any laws or policies um, that can be helpful to enact state legislation for 988 funding, the National Suicide Hotline Designation Act 
allowed states to pass legislation assessing small monthly fees on cell phone bills to support 988. And that's actually done to help support 911 services too. So before you're like, oh my gosh, what, why? Understand that that's exactly what they do with 911. Now, even if your state does not assess a 911 fee, legislation can be introduced for 988 assessments in state legislators. Legislatures, okay? So the National Association of State Mental Health Program Directors developed a model law. All right. Now, MHA emphasized a behavioral health response to crisis first, as well as only involving law enforcement in very limited circumstances as co-responders. And they also added some provisions to ensure equity and expanded the partnership agreements beyond community mental health or behavioral health centers. All right. Because um, a lot of, I guess, healthcare mental health agencies, they don't have that designation. So it's important for advocates like myself to um, enact state legislation assessing a fee because local member centers within the Lifeline Network are currently underfunded and additional resources will need to be met uh, in order to accommodate, you know, the demand on the call centers. So assessing this fee, um, it's critical as the law allows states to generate funding for the provision of acute mental health, crisis outreach and stabilization centers by directly responding to 988. So this means that this funding can be used in part to create a crisis response system that does not rely on law enforcement and provides the continuum of appropriate crisis care. Right. So Village, I encourage you to look into this further so that you can gain an understanding of what this looks like in your state, because I'm in New York, but it might be different wherever you are. Okay. The road to providing equitable health care, it's being paved. And I do hope that you realize that this is a very, very important development that we all need to be aware of so that we can provide effective support to those around us that may be struggling. Here's to brighter days. Just can't stop thinking oh, about you You ain't even oh, 
surprised that you called Cause the way you walked away I thought I wasn't gonna see you no more Since you didn't wanna give me your man I thought that you were digging me And wasn't digging me But anyway, what you doing tonight? I'll probably be quitting my peeps If it's cool with two, maybe we'll swing by And you can just chill Oh, you can just chill with me Long as you're comfortable and you feel secure When you're with me, cause I'm not trying to pressure you Just can't stop thinking about you From his debut album, I Just Want to Sing, which when you see the words, ladies and gentlemen, you may not realize that's what it is until you look closely. <laughs> that was Music Soul Child with friends, just friends. All right. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to be your friend. Really? Okay. But anyway, it was included on the soundtrack to the 2000 film Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. It debuted on the Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart on September 9, 2000, and it spent 37 weeks on the chart. 37 weeks peaked at number six. Apparently, I was not the only one that loved that song. Our next song, Village, is by this English R&B duo comprising of Marsha Ambrosius, who's known as the songstress, and Natalie Stewart, the flowicist. It's a good thing that they were able to get over their rivalry on the basketball court to become great friends, bonding over their love of music and poetry. They have worked with Jill Scott, Queen Latifah, Michael Jackson, and the hip hop artists who's featured in this very song, as well as the Roots, Bilal, and more founders of Neo Soul. 
Now, this song is a single from their third and final album. Here is Flowetry with their single, Superstar, featuring Common. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic. Yeah. This is a message from the mother. Let's go, girl. She told me to tell my brother. She loves you. And I do too. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> you're my superstar. You're my superstar. You are. My superstar.
Okay, kings and queens. So tonight, I'd like to talk with you about a term that many of us may not be familiar with, okay? And that is white immunity. Now, I think it's safe to say that we've all heard the term white privilege, and there was a lot of pushback, all right? And I believe that whenever someone becomes defensive with marginalized people expressing the difficulties that they have faced as a result of discriminations of any kind, then what we're witnessing is an unwillingness for an individual or individuals, even groups, to take an honest look at what is being said about those experiences. You know, it's like if someone were to approach you about something that they needed to talk with you about, you know, an experience that caused them some kind of pain or hurt. And instead of considering their experience, you become angry, offended, and now incapable of having a constructive conversation. They have, you know, that person has more concern about how they're feeling while completely forgetting how it is that, you know, you've made this individual feel, right? Then the excuses will come and suddenly you'll find yourself being put in a position of comforting them when it was you who was the injured party. Sound familiar? I use that example because it doesn't always have to be about race or sexism or ableism, etc. But it could be someone that we love, family, friends, you know, that they're walking around in emotional pain because of something that was said or done by you. And when I say you, I mean all of us, right? Now, when you're talking to white colleagues, your white friends, uh, you know, maybe family members, because you could be white and you're talking to your family members about white privilege, you may, um, I don't know, you may notice that they become very upset because in their minds, they too have had to struggle in life and therefore could not have possibly had any kind of privilege. See, the problem is, you know, with this scenario that's far too common, is that people know very little about racial structures and caste issues, you know, like your status in society. These are some of the same people who believe in the myth of meritocracy, um, you know, like if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, everything will be okay. They believe in the achievement gap, all right? These are often the same people who believe themselves to be white saviors because they work at schools with poor children um, that have minority background or they engage in some other type of service. And they're also the same kind of people who often cannot understand the need for dual language education. But according to University of Arizona Associate Professor Dr. Nolan Cabrera, the trouble people often have with the term privilege is that they conflate racial privilege with economic privilege. In other words, they believe that what you're saying is they're rolling in the dough that, you know, they're rich and they can, you know, ha do anything that they want. That's what they think you're saying to them when you're talking about privilege, white privilege, okay? So they're thinking, how could I possibly have had privilege when I didn't grow up in a mansion? The idea that there are multiple types of privilege and that individuals may suffer from the lack of one or multiple types of these privileges and still have white privilege becomes difficult for them to grasp. They can't see it. They can't even wrap their brain around that. So due to this mental block, Dr. Cabrera suggests 
that instead of using the term white privilege, use the term that he coined called white immunity. Okay. I heard that word the first time, I think last year during a webinar that I, I was um, involved with. And when I heard it, I was like, wow, it kind of does make you look at it in a different way. So what is white immunity? All right. Now, one definition of this term, which I believe explains it in a way that is both easy to understand and demonstrative of what people of color live with on a daily basis. It means that people of color have not historically and are not contemporarily guaranteed their rights, justice, and equitable social treatment. However, white people are because they have protection from this disparate treatment, okay? It means that as a white person, when you walk into a room, any room at all, any room in the world, there's never a question about your intelligence, okay? No question about your intelligence at all, but for no other reason than the color of your skin, okay? A person who is white is not asked to change the texture of their hair because it is not considered to be professional. White immunity protects you from having to wonder when you're being pulled over by the police because you were speeding, if there may be another reason that you're being pulled over, you know, like the color of your skin. But in this example, you're actually just being pulled over because you were speeding. It's just for that reason and only that reason. Your skin color does not come with the very real threat that being pulled over could go left and result in incarceration or even worse, death. A white child is immune to their teacher lowering their expectations of their level of competency in class or in taking tests or even endeavoring to be anything that you want to be when you grow up. A child with white immunity is immune from being targeted for suspensions or corporal punishment due to the color of their skin. A high school senior who has white immunity is immune from being labeled as antisocial by admissions readers at Ivy League universities despite having a similar resume, grades, and reference letters okay, um, as their uh, uh, white counterparts. And I apologize. What I mean is that's what, um, you know, students of color would be accused of being antisocial um, and all these like negative um, things when their grades, their resume, their, let's say their, their service in the community or whatever, it may be the same exact thing. All right. Now, now we've talked about white immunity, like what it is. All right. And hopefully you, you've gotten a better understanding of it. These are things that, you know, that happen to you. You don't even have to think about as a white person. You don't have to be concerned that you're, you're, you're in the wrong neighborhood driving an expensive car. You don't have to worry about walking down the street and someone crossing over to the other side because they're threatened by you. You do not have to worry about as a white woman, if you're at work or really any space where if you are upset and you become angry about a situation that you're frustrated with being seen as angry, it just doesn't happen because you're white. Now, if you're still upset that this word is being used to describe 
what people of color experience or the difference between their experiences and yours, I invite you to take a look at why that's upsetting to you. Okay. At some point, we have to be willing to be honest about things. At some point, we had to be willing to stop dismissing people's experiences because they are real. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about them because no one has the kind of time to sit around and make up stories. Now, let's talk about what white immunity is not. A child with white immunity is immune, okay, like I said, from being targeted at school. They're not punished in the same way, all right? Um, But here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't protect a child from the consequences of having drunken parents. It doesn't protect them um, from, you know, not getting into an Ivy League school when their application does not make the cut. So like if their application isn't, you know, up to par, white immunity is not going to just say, but you know what, go ahead, we'll accept you anyway, is what they're saying, right? It's not going to, um, it's not going to affect, or excuse me, it's not going to keep them from experiencing like real life situations is what I'm saying, right? Because you might have, um, you might have a poor childhood, you might have a poor background. White immunity is not going to keep you from having that background, all right? So you're still experiencing the same kind of thing. It's just the way that you're looked at in those situations is far different, all right? In all these circumstances, historic racial discrimination has never exacerbated life's difficulties for you if you're white, okay? This is not to say that, you know, these other difficulties should not be addressed. If your parents are, you know, somehow neglectful or, um, you know, something bad happens to you or whatever, it's not to say that we're going to ignore those things. No, nobody should really uh, be mistreated at all regardless of your background, the color of your skin. And that's really all we're saying, that let it be that way across the board, not just because you're white and then everybody else, you know, it's almost like to hell with them, whatever their experience is, who cares? No, we're all human beings and we should all be seen, understood and treated the same way. That's all it is. It's really just that simple. Okay, but if there's an unwillingness for you to do that, the problem isn't the person saying, hey, you're not treating me fairly. The problem is that you are not treating them fairly. All right. Now, these difficulties, you know, such as those that are related to, you know, um, um, you know, patriarchal societies, you know, um, Uh, against like, say, for instance, discrimination against students who identify with, you know, disabilities, you know, they need different, you know, um, they need different things. Okay. Um, It's almost like, how can I say white immunity, it could almost be like vaccine, like a vaccine against racism. All right. Um, It's really not an either or situation. Simply, We just have a lot of work to do, you know? So Village, the next time that you find yourself talking with someone about white privilege and you find that you have hit the proverbial wall, then talk to them instead about white immunity and see what direction the conversation takes then. All right, here's the brighter days.
That was Whatever You Want by R&B group Tony, Tony, Tony. It was the fourth and final single released from their second album, The Revival. The song spent two weeks at number one on the U.S. R&B chart, and it peaked at number 48 on the Billboard Hot 100. It is their first single that did not feature Raphael Sadiq on lead vocals. And it was followed by All Right. Now this queen who celebrated her entrance into the year of Jubilee this past March, Lettucey. Now Lettucey is an American R&B and jazz recording artist, songwriter, music producer, author, and actress. And her name means to bring forth or to come here in Yoruba, which is a language spoken in West Africa primarily southwestern Nigeria. Okay, beautiful people. It's time for this week's inspirational story. The name of the story is The Saint and the Scorpion. Here goes. There was an ascetic monk, which means that, you know, he was extremely disciplined and he abstained from all indulgence. He was wandering through the range of the Himalayas. One morning, he came across a shallow river, which he had to cross. And just then, he noticed a scorpion helplessly treading the water, struggling to come out. It was close to the bank, but it was unable to gain hold of the ground. Now, the sage knew that the scorpions can't swim, okay? He knows that they can't swim, so he recognized that if he didn't save the scorpion, it would drown. So, the saint decided to save the scorpion. He carefully picked it up, and it was struggling in his left palm with the intention of placing it on dry land. But all of a sudden, the scorpion stung his finger and rushed off his palm, landing right back in the water again. Now, while it continued to struggle in the water, the sage was gently rubbing his hand. He was in extreme pain, but his mind was calm and composed. Realizing that the scorpion could lose its life, he now used his right hand to lift the scorpion out of the water, but he got stung again, and the scorpion returned to the water. Even with all of this happening, the sage being in a great deal of pain, he was determined to help. He didn't give up. Now in the distance, there was a man who was watching the whole scene unfold. And he finally approached the sage wanting to ask him a question. But first, he told the sage that in his opinion, there was no reason to save the scorpion because it was good for nothing and no good to anyone. You showed it compassion, and it was so ungrateful for your help that it stung you, not just once, but twice, yet you didn't give up. Why is that? The sage said to the man, that's easy. It is the nature of the scorpion to sting, give pain, and to panic, you know, to harm others. It's not known for showing compassion and being nice. But as a monk, I am supposed to show unconditional love, kindness, and compassion everywhere. I'm supposed to be the strong one with all the values, principles, and elevated emotional and mental state. I'm supposed to cleanse and transform. Well, then a creature like the scorpion who's weak and lowly 
it's not going to change its basic nature just because it's in the presence of a holy man. And I will not change my nature just because I'm in the presence of a scorpion. Now, what's the moral of this story, Village? There are different types of people that we encounter in our lives, from good to bad, those who are grateful and thankless, weak to strong. But if we allow someone to change our very nature, our behavior, to throw us off balance, they are demonstrating that they're stronger than you. So remember to keep calm, retain your goodness, and you will emerge the winner each and every time. Beautiful people, this American recording artist worked with Will I Am, who wrote and produced this song for the evening. Now, it comes from his debut album, Get Lifted, which was released in 2004, and it was later certified gold. Critics were positive towards the song, praising it for its raw emotion and simplicity. At the 40th Annual Grammy Awards, this song, which happens to be one of my favorites by him, received three nominations, Song of the Year, Best R&B Song, and Best Male R&B Vocal Performance, ultimately winning the latter. Here's my man, John Legend with Ordinary People. I'm in love with you, but this ain't the honeymoon. Past the infatuation phase, right in the thick of love. At times we get sick of love. It seems like we argue every day. I know I misbehaved, and you've made your mistakes, and we both still got room left to grow. And though love sometimes hurts, I still put you first And we'll make this thing work But I think we should take it slow We're just ordinary people We don't know which way to go Cause we're ordinary people Maybe we should take it slow Take it slow, oh, oh This time we'll take it slow Take it slow, oh, oh This time we'll take it slow This ain't a movie, no No fairy tale conclusion, y'all It gets more confusing every day uh, Sometimes it's heaven sent Then we head back to hell again We kiss then we make up on the way I hang up, you call We rise and we fall And we feel like just walking away But as our love advances We take second chances Though it's not a fantasy I still want you to stay Ordinary people We don't know which 
That was Didn't You Know by neo-soul singer Erica Badu from her 2000 album, Mama's Gun. The song was nominated for the Grammy Award for Best R&B Song in 2001. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. And I'm looking forward to being with you all again next week here in the village and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard. Now be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.dkm, as in Mary, and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and the links that are available to each show. You can find it on Instagram at villagementality.dkm, as in Mary, and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. And you can also find it at the Awakened Lounge um, slash village hyphen mentality. I just remember, God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. So stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, we used to have everything we need. Yeah. Now